All right. What's the ceiling for the New Orleans Pelicans? Is there a trade that raises it? Will Guillory of The Athletic joins me to break it all down in Friday's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. And on this Friday, I got Will Guillory coming back on the show from The Athletic. Will, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you for having me on. It's feel like it's been a minute, but no time, no time better than now. Fresh off a, a couple franchise records, right? That was pretty fun the other night. I had a couple people who like aren't normally Pelicans fans being like, "Did you see how many points scored?" And I was like, "Well, well, yeah, I was there. I saw how many they scored." But that was that was something else, wasn't it? Forty-one assists as well. 41 assists uh, I mean we just saw we saw Zion get a career high and, and assists uh, it was just a crazy night it felt like every single thing was going at, at the same time it felt like everything was going in but I was also joking during the game like they put up 153 and Trey Murphy felt like he couldn't buy a bucket for the first three quarters so if he was going they might have dropped like 170 on poor Utah it was it was that type of night for the Bells. I also love it because the founder of the Locked On Podcast Network is David Locke, who's like the radio voice for the Utah Jazz. So getting that win over my podcast boss, it feels like I won as well with something like that. So you always got to get those moments in here. So you just like teed up almost like everything I want to talk about here <laughs> in this in this first part of the show. You know, you have that win, 153 points, 46 threes. They made 23 of them. Zion with 11 assists. Like everything was just clicking for that they also got out and ran in the fast break like crazy they had like 35 fast break points and i think i think that utah had like less than 10 turnovers so they were just sprinting around let me ask you this because this is something i've struggled with what's the ceiling for this pelicans team I think they could be a top four team in the West for sure. Uh, as far as making it all the way to the conference finals, I think that's tough when you got a young team who hasn't been there and you got so many veteran squads in the West like Denver, uh, so many of these other teams. So I, I think uh, as far how far they can go in the playoffs, I think it's still to be seen. But I think regular season, they certainly – can be a top four seed and if we're being real they probably should be a top four seed right now if you look at the two games they blew against Memphis they blew two games against Houston they lost twice in Utah without Larry marketing they played them twice in New Orleans and handled them pretty easily so you could look back and see how they they threw away a good number of games and they're still sitting pretty in the west right now so I think this team certainly is good enough to be a home court advantage team in the first round of the playoffs and once you're there, you feel like you're in a pretty good position to try to put a run together. Uh, but at that point, you're looking at young guys like Zion, B.I., how they respond to that playoff pressure. I mean, say they don't make a move and we'll get into more. We'll get into trade talks since that's about two weeks, a little under two weeks away now in the next segment here. You know, would that be a successful season? You get in and you lose in the second round of the playoffs, fall short of the conference finals. Yeah, I think no doubt, uh, especially when you consider Zion Williamson has never played in a playoff game. Uh, we've never seen Zion plus B.I. plus C.J. 
in the playoffs. So I think just getting those guys that opportunity to see what it looks like, to see how they mesh together, how teams try to attack Zion when they get to play him three, four, five times in a row, I think it's going to be a really important experience for this team. It's something we talk about all the time with this team is how are they going to keep all of these guys together and who are they going to prioritize? I think a lot of those questions get answered for you during the course of a playoff series or two and just how how many guys get played off of the court, how many guys step up and you didn't even realize they were going to be so important during the playoffs. So I think that's the main goal is getting these guys in. If you win around, I think that's outstanding. And then you can come back next year with real expectations and real experience with these guys and try to make a jump. And again, like I said before, man, they should be in a much better position they're in right now. So if you come back with a better understanding of who you are, how to win games, then you can start talking about, hey, maybe one seed, maybe two seed, you know, something like that where you got an easier road uh, to get to the finals rather than having to go through a one seed in the second round, which is looks like they may potentially have to do at this point. Yeah, you know, it, it feels like it gets them back on track from where they should have been a couple of years ago almost. And this this season's in a sense like riding the ship, kind of getting back to those expectations of that kind of growing and improving team. You know, one of the things I've thought about this team, and I've said this on my show for the everydayers out there, is it doesn't feel like they're reaching their full potential yet. You you mentioned some of the blown leads, some of the games that they really should have won, right? You could point to so many of those. They could easily be a one or two seed right now, it feels like. That seems like a good problem to me, right? When I look at a team like Minnesota and I feel like, okay, that's what that team is and they're very good, but do they have a ton of room to grow? It does feel like this Pelicans team isn't even coming close to their full potential. And I think that's like, I don't know, a good thing when you've still got about half the season left to play. No, and it's something I've heard Larry Nett say multiple times. And when people hear it, it feels like coach speak. It feels like, oh, you're supposed to say that. But he said it so many times that the Pels don't want to be at their best in December. You want to be at your best in April. And you see them trending in the right direction, heading in the all-star break where they're playing their best basketball, going into the most important part of the season. And obviously the the, the blown games, like you mentioned, uh, those are, are never good, no matter what point in the NBA calendar they come. But if they're not coming in March and April, that's much better, right? Because you feel better about yourself. Everybody's feeling good. You're breaking franchise records. Everybody's making three-pointers. So you feel like you're on the way up. And once you get into these big games in March and April, you're walking in with a much different level of confidence. Remember last year, I remember going to Minnesota in that last game of the season, and that team just felt like they were beat up. They felt like they were done. Even though Brandon Ingram was playing the best basketball of his career, they were starting to figure some stuff out, even without Zion Williamson. By the end of the season, they just felt like they had nothing left to give because the, the season took so much out of them. With this team, you said it. It feels like they're just tapping into who they're going to be. They're just getting Jordan Hawkins really involved with the uh, bench units. They're really getting Larry Nance back healthy for the first time all season. Zion Williamson is playing his best basketball of the season right now. I felt like Utah was the best. He's looked athletic maybe in years, right? So yeah. I think that this is the team that's peaking at the right time. Obviously, they still got some months to go, uh, but I think they're trending in the right direction. They're figuring things out. And I think what we say a million times with this team, the most important thing, and let's all go knock on wood together, they're healthy <laughs> right now, which is, a, which is an amazing thing for this team. They're able to string together a couple weeks now with the legit 10-man rotation that they feel good about, which is something Willie Green has never been able to experience here in New Orleans, which is massive for him and the team. 
Yeah, it's a little strange when, you know, we're not talking about what they could do when they get their guys back. It's what right. could they do when they kind of build some of the chemistry, figure a couple of things out that they need to and get these guys kind of in game shape because you mentioned it. You know, like Zion's not even close to being to Zion, like the Zion we kind of expect, I think. He said he was, what, 88, 90% right. after that win over the Jazz, right? Trey Murphy's in a slump right now, too. We'll talk about him in the third segment. You know, as you said, right, if he was playing at his best, they might put up 170 against the Utah Jazz here. You know, they've had the fifth best offense, the fifth best defense since that blowout loss to the Los Angeles Lakers in Vegas. You know, you've had a couple of blowout losses since then, though. The Clippers at home, the Suns at home. Are those the type of losses that really worry you, though? I think that they're very, uh, of course, I think the Clippers one was a little bit, you know, schedule related because they were coming off a of back to back and they traveled. And I think they kind of felt like they were just kind of worn down in that game a little bit just because of the schedule. But I do think this next three game stretch for them where they play OKC, Boston, Milwaukee is going to be really important for them just mentally because I do think uh, that there has been a trend this year where they play really well against the bad teams and they don't play as well against the really good teams. And if you want to start having the conversations like we've having in this podcast about, okay, it's no longer just about making the playoffs. It's about how far you can take it, how deep you can go. Can you dream about a potential conference finals berth? To get there, you got to be able to prove that you can beat the best teams in big game situations. And I think, you know, unfortunately, we've seen the two games they played on Fox, Denver, uh, and uh, another one against Phoenix, two top tier teams in the West. And they kind of got beat up on with the whole city watching. And I think they're very conscious of that, that when they play against some of these better teams, they've had some of their more poor performances. So I think these next three games is going to be a really important test, not just uh, for, you know, what you're going to look like coming out of them as far as the standings, but just mentally having uh, the type of confidence you need going into these big games against the best teams because they haven't been there before in these big series against Denver, against Minnesota, against Golden State, the Lakers. You know, they haven't been there against those teams. Uh, they don't really know what that's like. So to have that spotlight on them in these really big games, I think it's going to be important for them to respond uh, and see how they really react because, you know, we've seen them go into Milwaukee and get destroyed. We've seen them go into Boston and get destroyed. So if they come out and perform really well, even if you don't get wins in these games, if you could put up the right type of fight, if Zion performs well, Brandon Ingram performs well, I think you can walk away with the confidence of, okay, we're not just a team hoping we can get there. We are there with these teams. It's just a matter of performing uh, when the time comes. And if you want to elevate the team or if they're if they lose some of those games and it's not accomplishing what you want, that's what the trade deadline's for. So let's talk about the trade deadline, what moves the Pelicans could or could not make coming up here in the next segment of today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Right now, though, I'm excited to tell you about eBay Motors because our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us in this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Mason. 
Justin Plumley, new starter for a couple more weeks for the Los Angeles Clippers. Plumley can be a serviceable center for your fantasy team while they wait for Zubach to return. You've also got Jabari Walker. If you're looking for a bit of a flyer, Walker started next to Jeremy Grant the other night. He has a big uh, shot at a uh, late season value as well. So Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is all about each player being the perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. I work on all of my cars. The worst thing is putting on a part and then your hood doesn't close or your tire doesn't go back on. I've been there. I avoid doing that now by getting all of my parts from eBay Motors because with over 122 million parts for your vehicle, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Whether it's brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time with your money back. And at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your vehicle on the road with ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, and thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here, the number one Pelicans podcast, breaking down everything you want to know about the show. Become an everyday or listen Monday through Friday and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Will Guillory of The Athletic joining me here. Will, trade deadline talk, less than two weeks yeah. away. It's look, it's it's kind of fun to see what they can do. Trade machines the out, people. I feel like, uh, well, did, did I ever give you my conspiracy theory? I think a lot of. NBA fans enjoy the trade machine more than they like the, the actual games. Uh, I don't know. Maybe oh, I got data to probably back it up. Like we could look at my like show numbers <laughs> on, on certain things here, you know, it's, it, it's same with the draft, right? Like people just get excited about like potential yeah. and, and what it could be. And look, I, I can think of some people who I know for sure, like the trade machine more than, <laughs> you know, actual games and other things going on here. It's not a shot at anybody. It's just the truth here. Um, so all of those things, like it's fun to figure out and play GM, right? That's why I like, you know, franchise mode and NBA 2K and my GM mode, all those are like real popular here. So let me ask you this. I did a show yesterday saying that I don't think the Pelicans need to make a move. Is that, let's, we can play a game. Is that real or fake? The Pelicans need to make a move. No, I don't think so. And I, that's not me saying I think they're going to win the championship this, this year or anything like that. But I think just like we talked about, the, the, the biggest goal for this team is to get into the playoffs, see how far they can make it, see what it looks like with Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and CJ McCollum. And then you move from there. I don't think you need to be in a rush to try to, you know, make a run in the West, even though I think the it is a little bit more wide open than people kind of expected just because Denver's shown, shown a little bit of vulnerability. OKC and Minnesota at the top aren't exactly powerhouses, right? They haven't made deep runs in the playoffs. Uh, so I think it, seeing a team like the Pelicans make a deep run wouldn't be shocking. Uh, but I don't think you need to try to push it the issue uh, when you kind of have those big financial questions that we talked about in the past looming in the future and you've already done the necessary uh, move to kind of get under the luxury tax. So uh, I think just getting this group in as is, I think would be good enough and you figure it out in the off season. Is that the best thing they could do? Or do you think there's a move out there for the Pelicans right now that like would elevate them or raise that ceiling or maybe vault them up to like conference finalists where we don't think they are right now? 
No, I think the one that, you know, everybody has talked about around this team has been the, the potential Jared Allen, Jonas Valanciunas swap. I think just getting a younger, athlete, more athletic guy in there. And I think even more importantly, somebody who's, who has a contract that's secured into the future where you don't have to worry about that. JV is a, a free agent going into the summer. And I think he would probably have, be interested in re-signing uh, with the Pelicans. I, in fact, I know he would be, but I, I, I'm not sure – you know, what type of contract you want to give him as he goes deeper into his 30s, you know, his fit really with this group uh, because they want to play faster. They want to get more threes up. Do you want a center that fits with that style of play? But when you look at Cleveland, they've been playing outstanding basketball as of late. Jared Allen's been playing at a high level. Donovan Best basketball of his career probably, right? Unbelievable with Darius Garland and and Evan Mobley out. So I don't think they're in a a rush to kind of give away Jared Allen to the highest bidder. Uh, So I think, like I said, uh, just the way that things are playing out. And I think the rest of the league, you see that, you know, we've seen the Pasco Siaka move, but I don't, I don't think they're going to be a whole lot of big names moved before the trade deadline. Cause one, everybody's kind of waiting for that second Abram to drop on a lot of these high uh, salary teams come the summertime. And I think that there's not as much, uh, there's not as much kind of changing of the guard as we've seen the last couple of years as far as, you know, Damian Lillard, James Harden, Kevin Durant, all of these big names. I don't really see those guys kind of changing teams over the next six months the way we have in the past. So I think it, it, it makes sense for a team like the Pelicans to take advantage of their continuity, to take advantage of the chemistry they have on a locker room and build on that rather than trying to reach for something that maybe they can't grasp anyway. Yeah, it, it seems like to me maybe their best move right now, now that they've ducked the luxury tax, and I agree that that was the right move. I You know, if this team was being cheap just to be cheap, I'd kill them on the show here. But, like, there was no reason to pay the luxury tax for Kyra Lewis Jr., who wasn't in the rotation here. So I like that move from them. You know, you, you mentioned, right, there's Jared Allen, and then every other name that I see linked to the team is just, like, the most uninspiring thing, right? You're going to ship out Jonas Valanciunas, bring in Wendell Carter Jr., Daniel Gafford, some of those names, right? Like, that doesn't make you better, and you're going to have more options to try and upgrade this team, I think, in the off season right now. And so if you're making a move to get off of Jonas Valanciunas because you're worried about how much he's going to cost in the future. And I have no idea exactly what he's going to command this offseason, right? It's not like there's tons of teams with spending power in free agency and would they go after Valanciunas anyway? Maybe the Spurs, but that would be about it, I think. You know, it seems like you could just roll with him. This team has been good. He's kind of a safety valve for them. You know, he's won them some games. They're good defensively even with him. It seems like that's a better move than downgrading because you're trying to think like, too long term i think yeah and we don't talk about this enough jv's having a great season he's playing really well for them and of course he has his defensive limitations but i think he's been really good defensively this year i think he's been much better than he was last year blocking shots being solid in his drop coverages and you mentioned it this has been a top five defense since the play-in tournament Uh, they've been very good with jv on the court of course i think they're better with larry nance but i think he stepped up and kind of met some of the demands and one of the conversations we had early in the season was how much he was struggling to kind of figure mm-hmm. out his fit with this new offense then playing up tempo wanting to shoot more threes i think it really took him some time to kind of find his place but he's adjusted really well and we've seen him have some really big games for this team so i think like you said going to daniel gafford or Wendell carter i feel like that might be a downgrade going from yeah oh, it's, i think it's guys. definitely a downgrade right like i don't even think it's a question when i've seen those sorts of things like 
you you don't need to figure out the money situation right now in the future like yeah they they absolutely do but you don't need to solve something that you could solve this offseason in the next two weeks when it's going to make your team worse you know one of the things I I said on my show the other day was you know I I think JV can be a liability in the playoffs but that's also why you have Larry Nance Jr. and that's what you'll go with right so you kind of get the best of both worlds but also you got to get there in the first place. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's not say this is a finals team. And it's like, oh, they're going to lose the finals because of Jonas Valanciunas. When it's like, I don't know if they got to the finals and lost because of JV. I'd be okay with that this year. It's, it's a great season. It's the best season of franchise <laughs> right? history if they pull that off. And we also got to mention as, as great as, as things are going right now on the health front it's not like that's going to last forever. And that's one thing you can say about JV is that dude shows up to play every night, no matter what, back to back, no sleep. His body's hurting. That guy plays. And that's valuable on a team like this where you can't really say that about everybody else on the roster. So I think just having that that trustworthy guy who's going to show up and you know what you're getting from him every night. I know the coaches love that about him. And I think that's a valuable piece to have on your roster that's been, you know, in flux so often over the past couple of years. What, what do you think about the balance between Valanciunas and Larry Nance Jr.? You know, they started Nance in the second half against the Utah Jazz, I think, to kind of experiment and see how that might go. Is that something you could see going forward, just trying to kind of find the right balancing act between those two guys? Yeah, I think the, the fortunate thing for them that we don't talk about enough is that Larry Nance getting back healthy and get back to himself has made a so massive good. difference for this team. He's like the, the guy we're seeing now versus the guy we were seeing the first couple of weeks of the season is like night and day. The way he's moving, uh, the, the the plays he's making, his understanding of spacing, how to get the most out of his guys. I think he's so important with his basketball IQ and his versatility. And I think it's a great advantage for this team to have two centers that complement each other so well and have different skill sets and I, I asked Willie Green about this today and I think it's something that we need to give Willie Green more credit for is having the the, the willingness to, to experiment in the way he he did in that Utah game because I can tell you Willie Green wasn't doing stuff like that in year one what we were complaining a lot about Willie Green was him being so stuck in his ways him sticking with the same rotation over and over again him not being willing to, to move guys around so I think seeing that it was an important step for him and I think uh, him acknowledging Acknowledging after the game that, yeah, we see the data with the starting lineup. It's not great. It's shown some improvement over time, but it needs to be better. It can't be in the minus. They can't be starting games behind or coming out of halftime and losing leads. I think that's been a consistent issue throughout the year. And the fact that they're trying to find ways to address that is important. Uh, But I do think overall, like we've said, JV is a really important piece of this team. I'm still a believer in the starting five. I know a lot of people out there want to see a change i do think that's the right five for them to start games with and and they those guys complement each other uh they got some stuff to figure out but i do think that uh it's an important step for willie green to get to for him to say okay this isn't working right now so maybe we need to try something different or maybe we have an opportunity against a team like utah where we can bring larry nancy and have him play john collins with the starters and then once walker kessler comes in we can bring in jv and have him go up against those guys so i think when you're when your coaching staff is thinking that deep and and, and thinking uh that kind of flexible uh, without being so stuck to these are our rotations zion comes out at minute six cj comes out at minute two i, I think that's a great place to be with your coaching staff 
it's it's growth, right? Players grow and improve, and so do coaching staffs, I think. And I think you've seen that from Willie Green this year, where may, maybe more so than other years, too. So I think, again, that shows that the ceiling on this team could be raised up a little bit. Let me ask you this in terms of final trade talk thing. You know, what are, what's the one or two areas you think the team needs to try and address if they could with a move that makes sense, even though I don't know if there really is one out there? Yeah, I would say center, like we're talking about, just getting more athletic and getting somebody who can be an answer into the future. Both Larry Nance and JV are guys who are getting older. Uh, you can't see them really being your starting center two years from now, getting some clarity on what that looks like. And I would say maybe just getting a, a backup point guard who you can kind of trust. As it seems like Jose Alvarado has kind of lost his spot within the rotation with Jordan Hawkins stepping up. Uh, so maybe getting one more guy in there who you can trust as a ball handler, somebody who can take some of that stress off of CJ. Uh, but really, I think that might be stretching it because they got so many guys coming off the bench who need minutes. Uh, and maybe you can consider consolidating, you know, Najee, Dyson, Jose, those kind of guys in the one veteran who you can really trust in a playoff situation. I'm not sure if I really buy that because I think it makes sense to, to kind of allow Dyson to grow over time. Uh, maybe Jose works his way back into the rotation. But I would say those are the two places, maybe just getting a little bit older on, on the bench and, and kind of having some clarity about center for the future two weeks about for them to be able to do that. So coming up next, let's talk about a couple of the players that grow up. Trey Murphy's in a slump. Herb Jones has shot really well. Is that sustainable? CJ McCollum's played excellent. Coming up here next with Will Guillory in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Right now, though, I'm excited to tell you about Grammarly. I write a lot, whether it's emails, whether it's production notes, different things, and sometimes you just hit that block staring at a white screen. And that's what Grammarly is for. It's here to support you from start to finish when it comes to writing. So for over 10 years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology that you can trust to help you across all the places where you write the most. And now Grammarly helps you do even more. With one click, you can easily brainstorm, rewrite, reply, whatever it is you need with suggestions from Grammarly so you could improve your productivity for you and your teams. So if you need to polish your writing, Grammarly can help you paraphrase and rewrite to be more concise instantly. You just type in a prompt and say Grammarly, improve it, shorten it, and it's going to give you different ideas back. So if you have a big presentation coming up, let Grammarly create a personalized outline to get you organized so you can transform your ideas into a compelling show. So start being more productive at work. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download for free today. That's Grammarly, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash podcast today. And thank you for making Lockdown Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast. For your second listen, go check out the Locked On Sports Today YouTube channel. It's 24-7 streaming. All of the shows that you need for the relevant information. They were talking uh, Harbaugh going to the Chargers on there. They were looking at the conference finals for NFL. There was talk about Adrian Griffin and the Bucks. I'm going to try and get them to put this show here on there as well. Nonstop, 24-7 streaming with the local experts of Locked On. And on today's episode of Locked On Pugs, we got Will Guillory here. Just went over the trade talk. What's going you on? You think with I can get an uh, invite on Locked On Saints? Because I, I got some thoughts. 
I have oh yeah, and hold on. I, trust me, Ross is going to see this show. I see him all the time. What? So what, let's give him a preview. Let's do a preview here. We'll send this clip in. We'll add it to your portfolio. What's 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 the take that you're going to have on Locked On Saints here? Um, if, as people know who follow me on Twitter, I am very anti-apologizing to the Atlanta Falcons. Anybody who apologizes to the Atlanta Falcons is not good with me. Uh, so I'll just leave it there. We so we do all have a lot of fun before some of these games talking. The Mickey Loomis press conference, right? Like I was oh, telling uh, Ross, he needed to be, yeah, he needed to be smacking some gum on his show and everything like that. Like none of us could believe it. It's pretty funny, <laughs> but yeah, we'll try to get you on there. He would love it. That would be fun. Let's get let's oh, super man. crossover here. I would here. love it. I would love it. All of a sudden, his show's going to be like banned from YouTube because you're being a guest on there, right? Yeah, I might be banned from this facility if I go on there. That's for sure. Oh, man. So, for your second listen, listeners, go check out Locked on Saints. Ross Jackson covering everything black black and gold here. He's like the nicest person. I hang out with him all the time. Like the nicest human I think I've ever met in my entire life, which is just great. Um, So, what's going on with Trey, Will? Oh man, it's crazy! Just because Trey was uh, along, right, right up, uh, right up there with JV last year, as far as the most consistent guy, the most dependable guy on the whole team. He had a career year, shot the ball so well, showed improvement with his two point percentage, and I think it's just been really up and down for him. I, I think he's talked about this a little bit that. You know, he's still not quite 100 percent coming off the knee surgery. And I think a lot of people were kind of counting down the days until he came back from the knee surgery. Like, OK, once he's back, he'll be Trey Murphy again. And I don't think it's that simple for guys coming off of knee surgeries, uh, especially when that's serious where you spend that much time away. So I think it's still taking him some time to get the rhythm, just get the confidence in his leg and all that kind of stuff. I, I do think that Trey will be fine. I think the good thing is that he has been playing in all of these games. He hasn't had to sit out to manage the knee. They haven't had to drain the fluid out of the knee or anything like that. So that's good news. But I just think it's just a matter of him just getting the rhythm, uh, getting used to, you know, playing with these guys. I do think they're experimenting with him a little bit more, using him more in DHO actions, allowing him to kind of do more stuff off the bounce, uh, which I know is something that he really wants to do to expand his game. And along with that, come some bumps in the road, trying to figure things out as different for him than what he's used to. If he was only taking threes like he did last year, I think he'd probably look better. But he's trying to do a little bit more. And I think the, over time, it, it, he's going to benefit from some of these rough patches he's going through right now once he's more comfortable doing the stuff they're asking of him. Because we've seen how how much you know production he can bring to you when he's doing stuff other than just shooting threes. It's just a matter of him getting comfortable mentally and physically with doing it. So you just think it's going to be a, just time, essentially, right? Like working right. through some things that we've in this team. That's kind of been their theme, I think, at times this year, right? Like figure it, just kind of figure it out. And you just do that by playing games. You're going to hit those rough stretches. And as long as those don't continue like indefinitely, it seems like it's going to get better. You know, you mentioned the starting lineup, it being the right group. I think that's really aided by Herb Jones and his three point shot falling at a much higher rate this year. You know, there were some rumors we could call them about maybe. Maybe they'd include him in a trade or they were shopping him or whatever. I mean, when you're shooting, playing like the defense that he does on the contract that he has and shooting near 40% from three, that kind of almost makes you untradeable, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I mean the the Herb Jones on the trading block talk was was wild to me. I'll just say it like that. If you know, if you talk to anybody within the Pelicans organization, them considering trading Herb Jones is like not even close. They they love and adore that man within that building, uh, just because everything he brings on the court, defensively, how important it is to have somebody defensive minded in the starting lineup. That's what I think people don't talk about enough. You need somebody who wants to play defense in that starting lineup, and Herb Jones loves to do it. He doesn't care how many shots. He's taking and, and, you know, he's shooting the ball so well and, you know, he's making plays in transition. You mentioned the fast break points. He's a big part of their transition offense, finishing at the rim, creating for other people. So, yeah, I think he's such an important piece for this team and the growth he's shown from year one to year three is crazy when you consider how good he was from day one as a pro coming out as a second round pick and he's only gotten better. We know the amount of work that guy puts in in the gym, saying how much he cares about playing and cares about his teammates. I think he's one of the most important people on this team. I, I really believe that. And I do, even on the nights where he's only playing 19 minutes or they end up giving Hawk or Trey his minutes, I just think everything he brings, the little stuff he does, is so important. And then, as we talked about, once you get into the playoffs, you got to worry about SGA. You got to worry about uh, Anthony Edwards. You got to worry about Jamal Murray. And Herb Jones is going to be the answer for those guys for this Pelicans team. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's essential for this team. And anybody talking about trading Herb Jones is crazy in my mind. <laughs> Look, he, that sequence he had against the Jazz where he blocked the shot then led to uh, the fast break layup for Brandon Ingram, then stole the ball, got the ball back. The behind the back dish to Zion was like just ridiculous. He's made 55 threes this year. He made 56 last year, right? Right now he's played 25 fewer games than last season. If the offense comes along like that, right? Like good luck. Like, I don't think we, you know, we need to necessarily have that talk of put Trey Murphy in for Herb Jones right now when you're draining threes at a 40% rate, especially from the short corners like that. We talked you about know, it. He shoot the ball better than Trey right now. So yeah. <laughs> taking Herb out to, to improve the space and <laughs> hello, one's might, taking might threes not and one's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big part of it. Uh, someone who is improving the spacing is, is CJ McCollum. You think there's any chance he somehow lands on one of the, on the all-star team? I think, I think it's going to be tough, man, just because the competition in the West is so deep. And I think uh, for coaches who are going to want to vote in the Pelican, they're probably going to write down Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson just off just off the respect of those guys being the, the first and second best player on the team. Uh, but I do think CJ's having an incredible season. I do plan on dropping something on CJ tomorrow, give you all the exclusive. Uh, I had a chance to chop it up with him and just talk about just the growth he's shown this season. And I think what's been so impressive, and I wrote this in my piece, was that I had a sit down with CJ when he first got traded to New Orleans. And we talked for a long time about his desire to come to New Orleans, not just to, to, to have something different than he had in Portland, but to show he could be a different type of player, right? When he was playing with CJ, mm -hmm. it was so much your turn, my turn. I'm a pick and roll guy. You're a pick and roll guy. When you go out, it's my show. And I think CJ came here wanting to be that orchestrator, wanting to be the guy who can say, B.I., you go there. Zion, you go there. I'm going to direct the offense. Y'all are kind of young and immature. I'm going to be the grown-up who puts everybody in the right spots. And I think over time, CJ has kind of learned that this team is better when the ball's in B.I. or Zion's hands. Those guys are more comfortable when they can play point guard. So CJ's reaction has been, okay, I need to be the best I can be playing off the ball, shooting more threes, taking more efficient shots. And I think his ability to adapt and evolve his game over time has been so crucial for this team, especially 
the conversations we're having about them wanting to take more threes, wanting to change kind of the, the shot profile as an offense, him doing that first and foremost has been so important for this team. And he's not only doing it, he's shooting the ball better than he has his entire career. He's I mean, the guy is number one in the NBA and pull up three point percentage right now. He, he's if he hadn't missed all of those games with the puncture lung, he'd be right up there for most threes in the NBA right now. Uh, the guy has been incredible and he's doing it in a much different way than he has his entire career. And I think he deserves an immense amount of credit for doing it and being so selfless in the way he has done it when he came here with a much different idea of who he was going to be as a player. Yeah, you, you just love to see, you know, that kind of like selflessness, right? And just doing whatever it takes for a team to win. And he's been really good. I agree with you, though. Like, I, I don't think we're going to see any Pelicans on the All-Star game in the All-Star game this year. And a little bit disappointing. But look, as long as they, I think, are winning and playing well and have a deep postseason run, that's what they're all going to care about more than anything. I don't know. CJ's never made it. Would love to be in there. But I think he wants to win a title or have a deep playoff run more than anything else. Plus, we know what CJ says every time we ask him this question he says they pay me like an all-star so i'll yep. be all right <laughs> <laughs> exactly getting paid like an all-star that's sometimes the most important thing here so that's going to do it for this episode of locked on pelicans will i appreciate you being on here we'll get you on again soon with everything it was good to chop it up as we gear up for the trade deadline here game tonight as the pelicans take on okc that's going to do it for this episode of locked on pelicans i'm your host jake madison at nola jake on twitter and i'll see y'all on Monday, and maybe we'll have a bonus show over the weekend. We'll see here. There we go. Get the peace signs, Will.